Hello, hello, Beyondwords family, friends, new friends and old friends, and welcome back to Beyond Words with Felix and Al. This is Felix, and I'm finally out of diet, out of the world of plants, out of the world, uh, not of the dead, but so to speak, of the dead, back into the world of the living. Um, yeah, I took a two-week break, and another two weeks after the last episode was posted just to kind of integrate and take my time coming back into the world, uh, starting to eat normal food again and recuperate my body and mind to be back here for all of you and with all of you. Um, yeah, really big shout out to all of our local subscribers. Uh, our local page, as many of you may know or as many of you may not know, is our locals community page where Really, we're trying to create and build this online community with all of you, a community of like-minded individuals that would like to come together and be able to share with each other. And again, for all of you local subscribers, uh, feel free at any point to, to reach out to us, to ask questions, to engage with us there. Uh, we will be more and more active on there. Uh, as time goes on. So the more activity we see from you, the more you will see from us on there, um, the more we can start posting different practices and books, movies, music that we enjoy. Uh, it'll be a really great place for all of us to meet together. Uh, also a really big shout out to Roxy Clyde, a new subscriber on our Locals page. Thank you so much. That may not be your real name, but that is your local's name, so we will call you by that. Katie Lopez, thank you so much uh, for your subscription. We're really, really, really grateful. In this episode, we talk a lot about the mind. Um, after coming out of diet, Al was asking me a bit of questions about what the dieting process is, uh, what, what, what it brings about, what explorations of the mind it can bring about. And it really started to guide us down this rabbit hole of the mind, of the functions of the mind, of the traps of the mind, of fear and how it functions, of fear and how we see fear in ceremony, of how a lot of media that we consume actually feeds these lower aspects or these lower mental states and how taking a break from these is super beneficial. So it was a really, really great episode. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun recording it. So did Al. It had been a while since we'd seen each other, so it was great to catch up. And we we missed you guys, all of you. So here we go. Episode 26 of Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Hi, Felix. Hello, everybody. Hey, Al. I had a dream last night that I actually went to Peru. I was went to Waran. I dreamt that Marta and I took a flight there, and we were just going to come for three days. And Marta was organizing with you my jujitsu class with Chase. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's really interesting. And I was giving like directions to the cab driver. Yeah, I definitely came back for a visit last night in my dream. And ah, yeah, I see those eucalyptus trees behind you. Looks beautiful. Yeah, I miss, oh, yeah. Uh, I miss, miss Peru. 
So well, you definitely came and visited. I mean, that's you know, you never really left. There's still parts <laughs> of you here. We still talk about you like you're here. You know, amazing. Well, I'll be back there at some point. And uh, hey, so so we've been. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode because uh, you went into a diet. And um, yeah, how's it going? How how whatever you want to share about the diet. I think a lot of people are curious about plant diets, and maybe you. If you want to just actually start by just sharing, like, you know, what a, what is a plant diet for someone who's who's new to this podcast and to plant medicine and Shipibo tradition? Totally. Um, well, you know, I, I I will definitely take words from from my teacher from Sui. The first thing he says about diet is la palabra dieta es muy pequeña. But la realidad es muy grande. And it's something that came up a lot during my last diet. So this last couple of weeks, it's just that that phrase that he would say. And the reiteration of uh, a diet is a sacrifice. And it really is. So with the diet before this last one, uh, the plants helped me to heal my allergy to, to red meat, which was you know an allergy I had for 10 years after contracting Lyme's disease. And so with this diet, going into the diet was really hard because I was feeling like I was finally getting back into a really healthy place, a very solid, healthy place of eating red meat, having a lot of iron in my blood, having more strength in my body, more energy. And then I go into diet and start fasting and eating really plain food, like plain rice and lentils and bread that tastes like a dried up sponge. But within all of it, I do feel there's such a need in our world to, to almost take a break from consumption. Uh, I feel for myself, especially like I, I love chips. I love, you know, hamburgers. I love eating candy every now and again, even though it's not the most healthy thing, but taking a break from it kind of gives me space to, to actually get a perspective on what I'm doing overall to my, to my energetic system, to my body, um, and to my overall health. And so, yeah, it was definitely challenging, you know, that first week of, of fasting, uh, is hard on the body. It's hard on the mind and it's hard to go from spending a lot of time cryptoing, uh, talking to friends, doing the podcast, uh, doing jujitsu to just stopping. There's like a, there's a, part of my body that has to catch up with the stop. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, <clears throat> and, and within the dieting world, like you literally, you have to stop everything. You're, you're basically just inge ingesting the, a certain plant to start to learn or start to heal with that plant. And so all of your energy or the vast majority of your energy should be spent focusing on the energy of this plant or the, the spirit of this plant. Um, you know, another thing Sui says is there's two ways to learn this. There's two things that you need to learn in this path. It's listen and learn. And I feel, you know, for a lot of us, when we're in conversations, we're in the world, when we have our phones, when we have our distractions, a lot of it is we're not fully engaged with the process of listening or learning or um, just stopping to actually ingest information or, or our surroundings. And so within the diet world, especially dieting out of my home, 
it's like you kind of flip a new switch or an old switch of seeing again basically your your mind your body your surroundings in a new light of like oh i've been ignoring these aspects and how can i help make that better and and i feel that's something that <clears throat> plants definitely do naturally they're not they're not running around they're not watching youtube or netflix on their phone 24/7 they're not trading crypto they're they're sitting in the same spot growing learning uh their environment and so as we ingest the plants they're growing and learning our environment which is us and, and our surroundings <clears throat> and so they make the necessary adjustments so they help us to make the necessary awareness to see where we're not in alignment with our greatest good so to speak uh, mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a good description i mean it's a it's so different each time you, you know it's not it's not a way i can say every diet will be the same but it's a general idea of just getting a greater vision of your landscape, your internal and external landscape to make changes from there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, so you're sharing like the, it's like an, the aspect of interrupting your patterns and your daily, just interrupting our life routine and kind of the autopilot that we go through with life and, uh, and interrupting all of that. So when you're dieting, you have a, I mean, you're ingesting a specific plant. You've all, you're also restricting in terms of which foods you eat, right? So very specific foods that are generally bland and not interesting. And you're also like, it's a diet from consumption of media and all of that. Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and like I shared within that too, you know, every single diet is different and, so for this last diet, for example, I've been working on dieting these specific plants for, for three months now. And I had no idea what these plants would bring up just because even the, in the past, each one of those diets has been different. So this diet brought up completely different things. And a main thing that I saw for myself are traps of the mind, uh, places where I entrap myself within my thoughts where I entrap or freeze, so to speak, my, my environment or my ability to, to actually see things clearly. Uh, I think with just what's been happening globally in this time, I think there's been so much information that's being dumped kind of down our throats as far as, so, you know, COVID's this, the vaccine's this, 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 uh, you know, there's currently race wars in the U.S. Da 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 da. da. And it's just, it was so much consumption that I just, I wasn't. I was building these traps in my mind of how bad I think the world is versus how the world is actually where I am now. Uh, if that makes sense, I don't know <laughs> if that's clear, but yeah, yeah. Um traps in your mind that's an interesting way to put it so um so almost like ideas that you're attached to that prevent you from being fully open to receive life as it is right in front of you right here right now is that another way to yeah put absolutely it? yeah absolutely yeah I, I think i think oftentimes we don't understand the landscape of our mind until we stop 
and, or especially me, I should speak for myself. I don't understand the landscape of my mind or what I'm building in my mind currently with what I'm inputting until I stop and take a look at the landscape. And, you know, in between my last diet and this diet, I sped up again and was doing all these other things and, you know, quite busy compared to where I was before. And so I had built up a whole new set of traps for myself to get stuck in, you know, negative thought patterns, uh, negative perspectives, negative imaginations. And I think oftentimes if we don't ever get the opportunity to stop, we don't actually get the opportunity to see where we built the tiger traps or the dens that, you know, Mm -hmm. we get stuck in. Um, And and so, yeah, I really, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, would you say that, like, I'm just curious about your process with, so you're in your diet and you recognize these, you know, mind traps, as you call them, or, um, you know, patterns and just attachment to stories and whatever it is. For a lot of people right now, it's like fear and all this, but I'm just wondering what the process is, you know, is it different than you know, what they would teach in meditation, which is simply to, you know, very basically, it's really just the fact that you notice it and you see these thoughts and you see these patterns. Um, and that is just seeing them and recognizing, recognizing that it's happening allows you to uh, no longer be so attached to it and to not let these thoughts take you down <laughs> and, and, you know, take over your experience in a diet are you doing anything is there some kind of process in terms of are you actually clearing those away are you doing something to remove those those mental traps or is it also just a process of seeing them for what they are and then allowing and that's the healing itself i don't know if my question makes sense i'm I'm just wondering if it's an active if it's an active process working on your mind. Cause it used like, when you talk about this, it's like, I really see you like someone who goes through the mind with a fine, fine tooth comb, you know, just really getting in there like a surgeon and really seeing very precisely what it's doing. And you do that with your own mind. And it's um, so I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious about your process around, around it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think all spiritual paths ultimately lead to the untangling of the mind in some sense. Uh, meditation is an incredibly powerful tool for that. And it's it, basically, if you go down that rabbit hole as far as you can go, it's, it's the same as dieting. You know, if you continue to diet for years and years, it's the same as meditation. They're, they're one and the same. Uh, I think this is why we, you know, my partner and I have incorporated the usage of the Bun Tibetan tradition uh, through its meditation, the Dzogchen tradition, especially, uh, and Nangtro practices, which are, which are basically like a, a process of purification, a process of recognition, uh, a process of analyzing, uh, clearing. And yeah, there, it is an active process. You're, you cannot sit idly or, you know, I cannot sit idly and allow my mind to be one thing. Because uh, it'll never be one thing, even if I leave it be and to do its own thing. It's always going to keep changing, evolving, growing. It's just making sure that I'm cultivating the growth in a direction that is actually beneficial to my overall existence. Um, 
I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> oh, it, it, I guess, yeah, more in my process, you know, I, I, I love the mind. I, I think that the mind is, can be overlooked often in overall practices. I think that sometimes through certain practices, we can say, I'll ignore these thoughts and I'll pay attention to these thoughts or I'll do this and this. It's actually because our mind has a capacity to go anywhere. I mean, literally right now, if we talk about a pink elephant that's floating in the sky in the clouds, we can see that. Although that's not something that we would see in reality, we can see that mentally. So if my mind has the capacity to dive into the deepest depths of despair, darkness, fear, regret, pain, guilt, whatever it is, why would I ignore that and allow that to just like negate that aspect of my mind? I want my mind to have the total capacity to be able to explore the total range of mind in order to understand mind. It's not that I believe the total capacity of the mind that there's a pink elephant floating in the clouds, but the fact that I see that my mind has been playing in the dirt down here of these negative thoughts just means that I have to start cultivating something different in that area. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that I want to negate the fact that negative thoughts exist. It's yeah. So there is definitely an active component to, to changing the mind. And it, it's an active process, which is extremely challenging. This is why these spiritual practices are taken up for a period of time and then set down for a period of time. I think there's a, it's overwhelming because our mind has such a massive capacity to be anything. When you're, you know, in your diet or even in a ceremony and you're singing and let's say you were like, do you sing to yourself in the diet? I, yeah, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I guess like part of the Ikaro also involves, maybe I'm wrong. I'm asking, I guess this is a question. Is the Ikaro part of the, the part of a method of aligning like the intention is alignment of mind and clearing of mind and bringing mind uh into an aligned and clear and uh yeah it's all mental right it's it's just it's all mind work i'm just having like epiphanies as you share about this you know so <laughs> This is what Tui yeah. says. Everything is mine. Everything is mine. That's, I mean, my teacher Ernesto would say, todo es mental. That's what he said. That was like one of the first things he told me in a diet. So, um, it, and of course it is, you know, and it's just when I hear you talk about it, it, it I just, yeah, I just have these experiences of like, oh, of course, like the, it's, it's all mind, the whole, our whole experience. And I think one one skill that you've developed and that you're just so good at, and I can hear it when you talk about it, is again just like really being able to describe the mental landscape and seeing the seeing it for what it is, and and you're like an explorer of that realm, um, and you have a way of just describing it. You're like a tour guide of the mind, <laughs> like. A, <laughs> And over here, this is the dark corner of the mind where obsess obsessive thoughts arise. Over here, this is where hope lives and faith and love. We're going to spend more time on this side. Yeah, it's really, uh, yeah, so fascinating. Lately, I've been, I've talked about him before on the podcast, Neville Goddard. 
Um, and lately I've been every night before bed, he, this is, he's what I read. I read um, some of his writing and he's describing all of this using the Bible. And so he's basically reframing a lot of biblical stories um, from the perspective that everything is mind and that uh, we are, our mind is the reality that's being created. And he, so he just, he just, he, he's pointing out that the Bible is a metaphor for this, for the mind and that um, the creative power of the universe basically, I mean, I'm, I'm not totally phrasing it correctly, but it manifests through our mind and there are tools and practices and to develop in order to, um, in order to affect change in our reality, to be conscious creators of our experience. Right. And, um, and, you know, it's funny because that's all this talk of manifestation and manifesting the life that you want to live. Like it's been kind of a popular catchy phrase of like kind of new age, right. Spirituality, the, uh, like the secret, that kind of stuff. Right. And I've always kind of had an aversion to the, all of that, like manifesting, but when it's this guy from the 1920s, like, uh, from, he, he's from the Caribbean. He's like a, 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 from Bermuda or something. And he was, when he's talking about this on these really scratchy old recordings, then I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's actually legit because it just sounds more, uh, I don't know, the way he explains it is just so uh, straightforward. And it, I, for some reason, I don't associate, associate it with like new age bullshits, you know, um, but it's really coming to the same point that you're just expressing as well. It's different ways of, of expressing it and working on it and helping to to bring the mind into alignment, helping to harness the power of our mind to create our reality. And I guess that's what you do in ceremonies as well. And you, would you say that when you're working with people in ceremonies that you're, um, that you're helping to what, to like clear uh, any, blocks in their mental in their mind space and align everything so that then they can manifest the life that they want or that they can be more connected to their deepest calling in life without all these mental uh mental debris getting in the way <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and it's not to negate how the physical is affected by that because over time, I mean, certain illnesses manifest physically, mm-hmm. certain illnesses, uh, not only of the mind, but of the spirit, which are not again, separate, but the spirit is a very elevated version of the mind, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more pure. And so overall, the whole healing system of psychedelics, first deals with the mind it first addresses the mind and what has the mind done to the body or what has the mind done to the life or what has the mind done to create illusions or delusions or imaginations uh again not to i I know i've used imaginations clearing imaginations like a 
like it, something that needs to be cleaned, but it is something that needs to be cleaned in the sense that oftentimes our imagination isn't the perfected form of imagination. And that's something that has to be constantly cleaned, constantly purified. And so again, going back to the, the healing process, yeah, it's first addressing like, okay, look, there's this black spot in your body. And if this black spot would sustain itself in your body, this memory or this mental experience that you've had, or this thing that you've had, if that continues to stay in the body, you will get ill, physically ill even more. And when we go to the core of that one little black spot in the body, we start to see the mental pattern that was created when that illness was created or that, that physical ailment was created. And that typically relates to, oh, I've had this trauma. Oh, I've been told I'm stupid. Oh, I've been told uh, I can't do anything in my life. And I believed it. And because I believed it, I've created my, I've made myself ill. Uh, I remember a certain instance, <clears throat> there's this great book, Valus. I think I've talked about Valus before. It's Philip K. Dick. And Philip K. Dick talks about how everyone in some point in their life is shot with a wound. And this wound is either through words or through an action, through a trauma, something like that. But he says, somebody always has, somebody will have a phrase that will be the antidote for that wound, or somebody will have the cure for that wound. And for me personally, when that happened in my life was my birth father told me I was a stupid piece of garbage, basically. And I believed him. You know, he was my hero. He was my idol. He was God in my life, uh, so to speak. And when he said that, I believed it. And there was this wound, this rotting wound that would sit within my system and, and it festered and it became very ugly. And my partner, Safa, says, you know, you're really smart. And it took me so long to actually like get through this, this barrier of belief to actually listen to this person. But I really loved this person and cared for her. So hearing that changed, began the healing process of that wound. There was the antidote. And that's, you know, it's an accelerated process within ceremony because we have the opportunity of the filter of ayahuasca or we have the filter of wachuma or the filter of a plant that helps us to see clearly what, what that wound is. And again, it's perpetuated through mental stories of I'm a bad person. I'm stupid. I'm incapable of this, that, the other. Uh, so yeah, it's, a, it's, a, I mean, everything is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just keep having these realizations and this fundamental point you know, I can hear it a million times and every time it, it blows my mind again and again and again, because I mean, even the physical body is mind, right? I mean, it's, everything is mine. So the body is included in that. And so of course, uh, our mind will affect our body in terms of disease and, and most of the time it's not even conscious. It's, it's, patterns that are embedded and they keep repeating and they eventually impact our physical body yeah absolutely there was an amazing study done by these these uh neurologists and what they discovered i don't i can't repeat the full study but what they discovered is that if you imagine a red apple in your head 
it's the same thing in your mind as holding a red apple in your hand. There's no difference in the mind. So if you're imagining you're healthy and happy, there's no difference in the mind. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're that's imagining the, um, you're sad. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the technique that Neville Goddard shares in his writing. It's like, um, in order to bring about the reality that you want to manifest in your life, the the tool that he shares, and I think other people have shared it uh, since him, but he was doing this a hundred years ago, is basically. Uh, to not only imagine the situation you want to bring about, but to feel it, to like really feel it in your body, to feel it emotionally, to just really connect with the feeling of that experience that you want to bring about. And by doing that, it can basically, it can only, it has to come about because you're already feeling the experience. Um, and so exactly to the mind, it's the same thing. And, and I guess if you do that enough and you do it well and you're dedicated, then uh, that practice will actually bring that experience into your conscious awareness, into your conscious experience. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, that's, it's interesting that whole concept is actually applied in, in psychology and, and as well in a way you're you know about nlp like neuro-linguistic programming like i dabbled with that modality uh for a while and in nlp you know you use your mind to bring yourself into certain states states of being and so you know one practice i remember that i used before a job interview is like you know if you're about to it, 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 you know, if you're about to go to an important meeting or you have to give a speech and you're really nervous, like you play this mind trick, a visualization trick that you do before you go and give the speech. So basically the visualization basically is imagine yourself in the room, you know, where you're about to give the speech. So you're standing in front of the crowd and then in your mind, you, you make yourself really, really, really big. And so you make yourself into a giant in this room. And all the people are down and then you turn up the color, you make yourself like really bright and you turn up the color and really vibrant color. Right. And you do that and you see this and you're, you're doing this in your mind, imagining yourself as the biggest person in the room. You turn up the color really bright. And just by doing that, you essentially like establish a certain confidence in yourself, um, you know, by doing this trick of the mind. And it basically, it's, it's not a trick. It's just an exercise. And I, I remember I would do that. I did that before a job interview and I, it totally made a difference because instead of walking in there nervous, I was walking in there just having done this, this, this mind exercise. Um, and it works, you know, sometimes I wonder why I don't do this kind of stuff more often. Um, but I think that we're kind of doing it all the time in a way after working with plants, it's, you know, I certainly notice in myself, there is certainly more awareness about my thoughts and what I'm choosing to put my attention on. And, and I also don't take thoughts so seriously, like I used to, which makes it easier to let them go, you know, and to, uh, to focus on something that's useful. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, it's very interesting that that this whole concept of mind is everything, uh, 
it's it's a spiritual concept, but it also it trickles down into into practice, into psychology, sports psychology. People use all kinds of visual visualization exercises before you know a big athletic event. You know, so um, so yeah, it's the fundamental basis for our existence is <laughs> is the recognition that we are creating this experience. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing and it, it, and for for many years i would say that's pretty fringe uh, that was very fringe it was a very fringe idea mm-hmm. and this is why i think you know these revolutionaries who had come before us who spoke about such things they were still considered fringe they're still way on the outside but something has changed in the overall psyche of humanity where we're starting to acknowledge and recognize the implications of that we can no longer ignore what this is we can no longer ignore that. And I think this is why a lot of people now are facing so many uncertainties in their life is because they don't know what they're actually looking for, but they're looking through what they're looking for. And the challenge is stopping, stopping long enough, uh, stopping your consumption of negative media, stopping your consumption of these things that bring you into these lower states of mental awareness and opening yourself to these broader states of awareness to see these layers of the mind. You and I shared a conversation. Uh, we kind of talked about God. We theorized about God. And I don't know what God is. God is whatever it is. The universe is whatever it is. It's massive. It's very, very big. And I'm very, very small. So my small concepts come from experiences in my own inner world, which typically is what created God before. But <laughs> so within our framework of God, you know, we started to, I started to share something that the Shipibo shared with me about God, what they call God. And they call God big mind, Anishinang. Anishinang is just big mind, just a mm. massive mind. And I think that within our spiritual journey and through our evolution, we, we start out in these lower states of awareness or these lower mental states, these places that we have to start out at. We have to start out, you know, in places where we can be depressed, where we can see you know, where we can have these endless looping thoughts of uh, negative outcomes, uh, negative self-talk. We have to see that. We have to understand that that's a potential of infinite mind. And so as we start to do these practices, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's uh, plant medicine, dieting, as we do that, we start to change the layer of the mind, start to move through the layers of the mind to get a greater idea of the landscape. It's not initially that you you diet or you drink ayahuasca or you take plant medicine or do meditation that you're going to be like instant change. I can see, I know what's going on. I know where I'm going. I know what needs to be done because this landscape is ever changing. Every time we hit a new layer, we are confronted immediately with that opposition, the opposition we've created before. We've put so much energy and time into our ideas of I suck and I'm stupid. And so that, that opposition doesn't just disappear instantaneously. There's a process of feeding this other aspect of positivity, which brings just it into balance initially. We just need to bring our mind into balance at first, just to get a new landscape. After we brought our mind into balance between these negative and positive thoughts, we start to get a new ground where we can actually just build something completely different. We have to mm. balance ourselves within the duality of the possibilities of mental, mental exploration. Mm-hmm. From there, we, we have the opportunity to see a different layer of mind. And so, like I was relating with the Anishinang, Anishinang doesn't mean that 
you're not separate from the universe. You're not separate from God. You're not separate from your reality. But through your experience currently, that separation is super blatant. So you can remember what it's really like to be not separated from that overall connection. Where I was going that I'm not really sure, but <laughs> just got, well, hey, just wherever you're going, it's a fun ride, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, but do they believe that we're actually the Anishinan is is the great mind that it's it's also it's always accessible. We that we're a part of that, or do they view it as some aspect that's separate from us, from our consciousness, from our minds? Is our mind an extension of the great mind? Well. Right. The the biggest illness that they find within humanity that they work on, especially the Shipibo, um, is seeing the, the lack of connection or the disconnection that's happened. So mm -hmm. at some point, we decided as individuals to completely disconnect ourselves from the overall reality, from our overall, even just our mind. And I, I've seen this with people I've met and spoken to and worked with is Basically, they're a head without a body. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to feel their body. They can't move in their body. They're still completely disconnected from their body, which is like an overactive mind that tries to analyze. And it's not bad. It's just that's where we get stuck. There's the, the beginning of the duality of separating this from that. And this, this idea of distinctions, which is perpetuated throughout education, throughout society, of A is better than B, and B is better than C, but you know, these, these distinctions start to create gaps in our mind of distinctions of what is what I need to label this microphone as a microphone and this camera as a camera. I'm only talking to Al through a camera. There's an overall disconnection through the ideation of, of individualizing objects, which is separating ourselves. So the overall complexity of the human psyche is separation. It's kind of mm -hmm. goes into, uh, um, uh, what's that book? Uh, it's also based on the Bible. Oh, the Course in Miracles? Uh, Course in Miracles, right. This idea of separation is actually what separated us from truth or God or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. There were, our so experience is, is the idea of separation. <laughs> That's what we're living. And the journey is to come to remember totally. that, that and to come back. And, and within the overall infinite, infinitely powerful, infinitely vast Anishinan, the big mind, how would it ever know itself without dividing from itself to rediscover itself? How do I know I am, I am me without the, the reflection <laughs> of you? Totally true. On a slightly different, well, kind of the same topic, but it's something I've been thinking about lately. Um, and this is a serious question. Uh, I'm wondering, do you believe or do you see, I would actually, do you see like the, the energy of fear? Do you think the energy of fear affects the body negatively and the immune system? 100% yes. 100%. And you can see that and you can feel that. Yeah. So with the energy and talk about that, but no. Maybe you can talk about it. <laughs> <clears throat> so within within our tradition and within our family lineage that we work with, 
one of the main plants that we start out with is this plant called Tantiral, and Tantiral is the, the calming plant. It's typically given to people who have major traumas, uh, who have a lot of anxiety, fear, doubt, so forth and so on. And Tantiral doesn't remove fear completely because fear is a part of being a human being, but it shows us the effects of fear <clears throat> and what fear can do. And so if I'm in a state of fear, if I'm afraid right now, I'm going to embody this. If I'm really scared that I'm on live air right now and I'm talking to people and I don't know what I'm saying and I questioning myself and I actually start to limit the possibilities of, of my mental capacity. Fear is a really small box that eventually turns into a stone in a human being. <clears throat> this is how we see it. We actually see stones inside of people that are fear. And these stones will eventually turn into cancer. They'll turn into heart problems. They'll turn into uh, mental issues, memory loss, so forth and so on. It's a very will they interesting affect the energy that actually, too? I mean, overall, yeah. I mean, the whole energetic system, like down to how the body functions normally. If your body's in fear, like a fight or flight fear, which currently a lot of people are because of COVID, the body shuts down it's using so much energy for the potential of fight or flight that it's not using it for net positive functions in the body right like an extended a fight or flight response that keeps on lasting for months and months and months it it uses its utility it becomes a detriment to the health of our physical mental emotional well-being right totally if you if you take your <clears throat> take a car and you drive it over the red in RPMs for a period of time, your engine will explode. This is what happens to a human being when their, their engine of fear or their engine of their being is run on fear. <clears throat> They're revving into the red consistently. And so it creates a lot of different complications. Not only that, fear is like, a, is like tobacco smoke. I don't know if you've ever been a crowd of people and somebody lights up a cigarette 20 people down, but you smell it way over here. Well, that's what fear can do. Fear has this effect of spreading and fear has this effect of creating a fog or a haze or uh, a scent that we can all sense. Uh, we, we can't forget the essential element, the animal that exists within us. You know, we do have these capacities of sensing fear, even if we don't know we can sense fear. And so if I go into a room full of people that are afraid, I start shaking physically. Mm. I, I literally get like, jitters i wish you know because you know i'm asking this question because for me it's also it's quite obvious uh that our bodies and emotional states are connected our mind is connected to our body is connected everything's connected right and and being in a state of fear and anxiety uh really impacts my body hundred uh, percent. It's no coincidence that um, I got super sick coming back from Africa last year. You know, I got malaria. I'd lived in Africa for several years, was exposed to malaria all the time, but I was in a good mental state for the most part. And I never got sick, you know, and then came back from Africa, pandemics kicking off, and I got malaria really, really bad. I don't know if that's connected, but my point is, is I'm just observing, like, 
I, I, I wish mainstream culture and media would maybe take <clears throat> this into consideration that we're not doing each other any favors by perpetuating like the fear mongering basically. And, um, and, and particularly media in the States, that's, you know, media I follow the most, like big media, I'm talking your CNNs and your Fox news and all that shit. Like it's, it's, it's fear mongering and it's fucking up people really bad. Um, I don't watch it. I don't even know what they're saying anymore, but I can turn it on for five minutes and I can just, I can feel what it is. And it's also hard for me to blame them because they're just, they're just doing whatever sells. And for whatever reason, uh, that sells. Like, what do you think it is about us human beings that we're drawn to that, that people are actually kind of addicted to consuming uh, fear? Like, what's up? What is that? Tell me, Felix, what is that, man? <laughs> chemicals, man. It's all about chemicals in the body. If you know how the body works and you know what chemicals are pretty addicting, adrenaline is super addicting. This is why there's adrenaline junkies, people that jump out of planes, people who do crazy sports things. They, they're addicted to that adrenaline boost. And the thing with fear is fear is it's exciting. And if your life feels boring or bland and you want something to bring excitement, you go see a movie, a horror movie. I have a lot of friends who back home, like their favorite thing was to go see the next upcoming horror movie, the worst horror movie. This one was way worse than the last one. It was terrifying. It was horrible but it was so good. Like what was good about that? And what part of your mind is so ill that it has to eat off of fear. Or it has to eat off the adrenaline of fear, the chemical component that is feeding that system. Again, it's just addiction to the high revving output. Same thing with drugs, same thing with, um, yeah, people who are addicted to sex. It's like, these mm. things are super high adrenaline boosting. They're dopamine boosting to some degree. Fear boosts. Some dopamine. things have I'm not saying, no, it boosts adrenaline, but adrenaline yeah. is also related to dopamine. And yeah. so it can give you that, oh, like, oh, that's, that was crazy, man. That was, that, that shit was wild. I can't believe we just saw that. Can you believe it? Season, season 22 of, or 21 of the U.S. is pretty crazy right now, man. People are going off. It's exciting, but it's also terrifying. The, the, the greatest example I could think of, like, how fear can a ne negatively impact a society or a group of people or a mental state is when the pandemic first hit and people were fighting each other physically over toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't see that, but I heard that and it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why, like of all the things, I mean, you can, you can wipe your ass with leaves. You can clean it in the shower. Like toilet paper should be the least of a person's concerns in terms of, what they can get at the supermarket. Um, yeah, you know, I've just been really noticing this a lot lately. And um, I, I think it's, you know, if there's one blessing with the fact that our world has become so, uh, so polarized in, um, in terms of, yeah, it's very polarized, right, in the United States right now. And to me, that's, that's, it's really showing, it's just proof that our mind creates our reality. Because you have 
two people who look exactly the same. Maybe they grow up across the street from each other and they grew up as friends. And then now all of a sudden they hate each other based on some ideas that they have. Uh, and, but it's, it's just based on some stories that they consumed on TV or on YouTube. You know, the YouTube algorithm is just feeding them that story. So they're just going down this rabbit hole so deep and the other person's going down a totally different one. And both of them feel that their story is so true. It is, it, of course it's true. And, and then they hate each other. And I think it's, uh, I'm starting to observe it now. And, and it's so ridiculous. It's so like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that it's gone this far, that, that there's this division in a society that's based on one particular story that somebody went down the rabbit hole of. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, just, it's just such clear evidence if we really observe, um, it's just such clear evidence that Firstly, yeah, that, that it's hard for me to express this, but basically neither of these stories are true. So whether, whatever story is dividing people, the political story, you know, the Republican story and the Democrat story, like in the ultimate sense of truth, neither of them are true. It's just, it's just a set of beliefs and, um, and whatever media rabbit hole you go down, you're going to find confirmation for your belief and you're going to find confirmation that the other side is evil and it's just starting to be really obvious to me. And I don't think I'm alone in it. Just like starting to really detach from that whole circus and to really see it from a distance and how obvious it is. And, and it's contrived. It's by design in a way, maybe not by some kind of evil cabal, but it's by design uh, by people selling uh, advertisement, basically. Uh, or by algorithms it's like it's it's an intelligent design that's feeding off of our addiction to confrontation to fear um, and it's 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 a bummer man that's <laughs> it really is a bummer i think it's 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 a bummer but i'm hopeful that uh at some point the masses will see how stupid this is and what they're actually doing. And the more right somebody thinks that they are about any political or otherwise view, the more caught up they are in, in the story, the more than they're lying to themselves. So the more right someone thinks they are, the more deviated they are from what's actually true. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, I saw this video recently online and it was, I think it was something about CNN's current ratings, their polls. And it, I don't care what the polls were about, uh, like what they were relating to. So basically CNN's polls were way down because they no longer could talk bad about Trump because Trump was no longer in the front line of something to hate. And they, yeah, they were upset because they, they said yeah. this totally, but they said this out loud that our ratings are down because we have, we don't have somebody to hate right now. So 
what are you feeding us and why? What's the point? You know, I think exactly. And this is in, not to get into a grander conspiracy of some something trying to manipulate the psyche of humanity, but that sounds like you're trying to manipulate the psyche of humanity based on finding someone to hate. I mean, that's the because best way to a lie. Exactly. That's a, that's the best way to get people on your side is to find a common enemy. And if that's the world we live in, and that's the world they want to sell to me, that's not a world I want to participate in. No. The idea that the, the, the revolution will not be televised is because hopefully during this time of watching these shenanigans, watching the charade of, of different groups hating each other for no reason, hopefully once that becomes just common sense in people's mind, they're like, oh, I just realized every time I watch the news, I feel like absolute garbage. That's, that's an internal revolution that'll start allowing the individual to think for themselves and to find their own information. Or it's, it's like not the about realization, finding out who's right or wrong. Yeah. Like uh, maybe it's the realization every time I watch the news, I really hate someone and I'm addicted to that feeling. I'm addicted to just being angry and hating something. <laughs> that's what the news does. That's, that's what, that's what's selling. That's what people are addicted to. They're addicted to getting pissed off and hating somebody or something mostly it's people they're addicted to hating certain people that are on the other illusionary illusory side of the uh illusion of the divide <laughs> and man you know what people are addicted and some people cannot shake that addiction <clears throat> and i think the aware the lack of awareness of there's an addiction to this hate or this fear or this doubt is is actually what's making people more ill and what i found is i recently had the opportunity and i spoke about this recently on the podcast of working on somebody who had just come down from the united states and it wasn't them in particular but the overall surrounding energy of this person was very very dirty and it was so dirty because it was filled with confusion it was filled with fear it was filled with doubt and, and what that had done to the person is it started to make them ill and depressed and heavy and sad. And energetically, it just looked like a black bubble or a black cloud surrounding this person. Mm. So there is something to be said about this, the environments we place ourselves within. But there's also something to be said about the responsibility we have to take in something that benefits our overall system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in other words, choosing what we consume, right? Like not taking in media. Media is the newest form of, of, of addiction in humanity, <laughs> but it's, it's hard to not consume any media. But I think becoming more sensitive or more aware to what certain media does to you I just wonder, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, what would this pandemic, what would, what would it look like statistically? What would the numbers be? We're obsessed with the numbers. What would those numbers be like if the media didn't exist or if they reported on it differently? If, yeah, if, if like no one, if media didn't make a big deal out of it at all, like it didn't 
it wasn't this huge story. Like, I just wonder, and I'm not saying that it's not a big deal. And, and, and I just wonder what the impact would have been uh, globally if, if somehow it were covered differently, if it were talked about differently. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I just think that um, there's, there's the virus that's fucking people up. I see that. And there's also the mind virus and media that's fucking people up also. And I wonder if both are necessary. Or if there's any difference between the two. Well, I would say that there is because Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I know of people who got pretty damn sick and they don't seem like the kind of people that are just like addicted to media and are living in fear all the time. They're, they're, they seem pretty self-aware and they don't consume media as far as I can tell. So I don't know. Um, but on the grand scheme, I just wonder how, how this could have played out differently. And if there was more awareness about how it's covered Another really interesting one, for example, you know, this tragedy happened. I don't know if you heard about this in Colorado yesterday. There was like another, mm -hmm. another shooting, man. And this one kind of hit home in a way because I used to shop at that particular King Supers grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. And I just thought about like, I wonder, it, it's, it's like of this modern era of mass shootings, like Columbine was like, you know, the one that kind of kicked it off for the past 20 plus years. And I wonder if all of this would have played out differently if the media didn't cover it the way they did so obsessively. Um, I wonder if there wouldn't have been like people trying to copy it. And it, it's just like the media is part of the problem. And when these things happen, it's super fucking terrible and maybe not covering it in mass media and talking about it so much might actually prevent future occurrences. Does that make sense? Because I think that uh, I think that there are some deranged people who are sociopaths who might see that kind of a story, and it's like it gives them an idea, you know, and. I think that in recent ones, they stopped, they at least stopped like sharing the name of the perpetrator of this, you know, to not like glorify the person doing it. Um, but yeah, I just wonder about that too. I wonder if, you know, I just think media is super responsible for so much of the trouble in the world. And um, I would love to see a bit more awareness about that because I don't think we're overall very aware of that. Um, yeah. Well, I think a, a really strong reflection of how what we see on TV sometimes reflects what we do in our everyday life uh, is TikTok. TikTok videos here and there, and these new trends come up every now and again. <clears throat> And one really fascinating trend, which made no 
logical sense whatsoever was the trend of eating Tide Pods. Why in God's name would you eat a Tide Tide Pod? The little the um, washing machine pods for detergent. What? So people were were taking bites out of these as a TikTok trend or as whatever trend. It was a trend. Somebody did it once on TikTok, got really ill, went to the hospital because that's not something you should put in your body. And then a bunch of other people did it. And so they had to tell people on the air, hey, everybody, please don't be stupid and eat Tide Pods. So there's something weird within the human psyche that wants to reflect its overall environment. And if it's seen as popular, as trending, as mainstream, it it becomes a, a reflected potential, whether it's a negative reaction from an overall audience or a positive reaction. This is why we have villains in TV shows. Like we, we love the villains. We love to hate the villain. Totally. So maybe, you know, some, some people want to be the villain. Exactly. I mean, I think that, there's an aspect of being human that we want to be seen, right? We want to be seen. And, and I think in some ways it just comes down to wanting to be loved. And some people, um, they see that they can be seen by committing some kind of atrocity. And for whatever reason in their psyche, it, that's how they choose to be seen. And that's the tragedy. And again, if, if these you know, super violent people weren't, the media didn't blast them in front of us all day long on TV, uh, then perhaps people would stop associating doing those kinds of things with being able to be seen and be recognized and be famous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with your sentiment of like media is, is causing a major issue because it, it kind of taints the reality of what actually happened within the situation because it's put within the context of somebody's story of interpretation and the interpretation has to be exaggerated slightly because that's what sells not the actual boring fact of what's actually going on uh, a little backtrack side note on the coronavirus thing and this is it's just a funny thing i'm not saying it's true but there's this uh, multi-million dollar science organization and they basically they said we will give somebody Two million or four million dollars, anyone four million dollars if they can prove that coronavirus exists. So this is a standing current bet. If you come to them with exact evidence that coronavirus exists or COVID exists, they will give you four million dollars. And again, well, is that playing well, into one hand see, or the other? It's not. I'm not. They want to see the virus itself, like under a microscope is that i i don't know their stipulate i I know it's like they want to see that you can prove that covid19 is actually a a unique virus that has never existed before and now is on this planet wreaking havoc um and that's a lot of money to put you know on that table i mean yeah i mean you would think that the people developing vaccines can prove it exists because they have to develop the vaccine based on the virus itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's not being talked about much that, well, it's being talked about more uh, that it's becoming quite obvious to a lot of people that it totally, uh, that it's made in a lab, like the whole narrative that it came from, you know, natural, naturally through a market, but it was totally made in a lab. Like, 
my totally uneducated theory is that it was made in a lab and uh, it was made in a lab to perhaps just like study how to develop vaccines. Maybe it was made to study how to weaponize viruses, but it was made in a lab and it got out. It probably by accident and and that's it. And some people are should be held accountable for that, <laughs> but they're not going to be because of the way the world power structures are designed. So it's a bummer. And uh, we just have to like cold showers is really good for the immune system. Uh, vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, uh, and just a lot of exercise and vitamin D. That's your best bet. Eat healthy. If you have and high nature. blood pressure, get it low. Yeah, nature. Get your blood pressure back down. Exercise. Stop eating so many processed foods. Eat fresh food. It's better for you. Uh, go outside. Exercise. Stop watching the news. Stop watching TV. Stop watching CNN. Stop watching YouTube videos, especially if you're down a particular rabbit hole that's causing you anger, fear, anxiety, turn it all off. Uh, and maybe you'll feel better. And maybe this virus won't fuck you up. That's my, that's my two cents for the day. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know anything. Watch me get the virus and I'll like come back on. I'll be like, dude, okay, we need to take it seriously. It's actually pretty fucked up. So I don't know. I really don't know. But I, I just don't think that no, is it, it, it's not helpful to be afraid. It's not helpful to consume things that cause no. me to be afraid or anxious. Like that won't do me any favors, whether I get vaccinated or not. It's not going to help. So. Well, I think, you know, what a beautiful thing out of, there's a lot of beautiful things that have arisen from this COVID-19. And I think one of the beautiful things is that people no longer trust any kind of source of media, period. And that's not a bad some thing. People. There's a doubt yeah. of, well, some people, you know, there's a doubt of any kind of information that comes into their, their being. And there's a questioning of that. And man, that is, that's brilliant. Thank you. That's like exactly what should be happening. You should be questioning what you're hearing, what you're and seeing, questioning politicians, you know, questioning awesome. leadership, um, realizing that they're just flawed human beings like the rest of us. So, and they have an immense amount of power to make decisions that affect large groups of people. We have to be careful whom we elect <laughs> into power. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, overall, I think the basis of our podcast comes from our journeys unraveling our, our being, our mind, our traumas, our, our ability to see. And in no ways are we perfect. We're still learning how to do this daily. Um, we still face challenges with our mind daily. But within that, I think we start to question more and more, even things that come through ourselves, you know, and that that's actually what brings us more clarity, ultimately. I think that's a fundamental point you're making. Like, um, I could spend all day questioning everybody else and questioning this and that, but really it's comes down to like questioning myself, questioning what I'm holding on to, what belief systems I'm holding on to, what I'm choosing to consume, like really questioning myself um, as a practice all day, every day. Uh, what choices am I making and how do they impact my well-being? 
what beliefs am I attached to? Um, what am I consuming? What ideas? What narratives? Um, to be honest, I've, I'm, I'm kind of just done with all of it, all narratives. I don't know anything, and um, I'm just following the protocols here with the, the lockdowns and whatever, you know, just being a good citizen right now and um, trying to just get by, you know, but um, I'm not consuming anything that talks about it. So, uh, which I think is helpful because when I talk to people that are consuming that, you're just like really kind of reeking with, there's just like an energy of anxiety, you know, and perhaps that's shifting now. I think a lot of people are optimistic because of vaccines being rolled out. So that's great. Um, I think that's great, not because of the vaccine, but because of people's mind states are shifting. And if that's what's needed for someone's mind to shift, the vaccine and the hope of that, and now people are going to feel more positive and loving and, uh, and, and excited about life, then great. That's That alone is the best thing the vaccine can do. You could just vaccinate people with pure water and the placebo effect of their shifted mind state about the virus. That alone could conquer this fucking thing. So um, I think it's great. I think the vaccine is great for that purpose because it's helping people to be optimistic about life again. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I really admire what you say about that too. Like, I, I think there's a really there should be a stressed importance on conquering the inner world before we try to conquer the outside world or, or whatever, before we attack this, this conspiracy or before we attack COVID or before we attack bad politicians. Like we actually have to address this internal mental issue of what, what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Totally, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Um, I just want to, again, prom I've promoted cold showers before, but um, I'm like back into it, you know, and the water here is, it's, you know, just like one degree above freezing because it's, you know, we're just coming out of winter and the water it's it's amazing man i meet god in the shower every morning um so, so like my new like my wife in the morning does a yoga practice you know breathing exercises things like that my practice is i take my lately it's i take my 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 iphone and my speaker and i put on classic rock and i get in the shower and i do a 10 minute cold shower i do 7 minutes of cold and then the last three minutes are on full blast, like ice, ice water cold, you know, and the classic rock is playing. And then I dance like at the end and it's the, just the greatest, the greatest way to start the day for me. Uh, and my body just responds so well. It's such a, again, I think it really impacts the mind. Uh, it seems to, for me, at least it seems to interrupt any kind of neurotic thought patterns, anything. It interrupts all thinking because it's so cold and um, and it 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 jump starts the cardiovascular system. It it's like just resetting the body and the cardiovascular system and it it helps with inflammation and and uh, it's like getting when I get through that, nothing that comes my way in the day 
can stop me because I just survived the cold shower. So I just want to give a good plug to our sponsor, Cold Water. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm once again, just like a big friend of that. This past winter, man, is really, I, I was really pushed to, to find, to dig deep, to find practices specifically and tools to get through some just kind of hard times, the adjustment of being here, the dark winter, the lockdown. And I needed to find tools to help me not get caught up in negative mental spaces and depression. And, and those tools have been really simple, you know, it's like cold showers, exercise, and then choosing what I consume with my mind. Uh, that all really, really seems to help. So uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, yeah, I'm just super grateful that I'm super grateful for this life, man, and grateful for all these tools and practices that I've been shown and come across and grateful for all the people in my life and my wife and my daughter who's on the way and my friend Felix, my bro podcaster. I think gratitude is another one that also really helps me to feel better. And I think gratitude is probably the antidote to fear in terms of affecting the immune system. So, uh, yeah, I think gratitude is also really healthy. And so I'm just saying thank you right now because it's like my daily vitamin. Thanks, bro. Thank you, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, that gratitude piece is, I think, <clears throat> when I started hitting my lowest place, I I stop and just look around I'm like, oh, wow, like, I have shoes. I have food. <laughs> like, <laughs> It sounds silly, but like the fact that I have shoes is a pretty big thing when I walk you know, five minutes up the road and I watch people walking without shoes up these rocky slopes. Like I have shoes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I can't be upset about my life. Um, uh, yeah, I have good friends. I have people that are like-minded in my life that we can enjoy exploring the realms of consciousness together. I have friends that, that teach me and, and I appreciate that. And that's, you know, I want to continually grow in that, that, environment with these people i don't want to be a separate entity you know cultivating something just for myself it's like i want to build with my friends with my community with my my family mm -hmm. you know amazing man you got i love you man i love you too and we love all of you our listeners uh sometimes when we're recording even though people will be listening in the future I can just like sense their people listening. I can feel their presence, even though it's in the future. So it's uh, all the listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you to all of our supporters. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. To, uh, thank you, everybody. <laughs> You're amazing. And uh, yeah, should we, should we call it a, call it an episode? All right. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks Felix. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks, Al. See you, everybody. Beyond See you in a few community. days. We love you. We love you. Peace out.